Welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. You are made in the image and likeness of God. Not only does God long for you, but you are like Him. What does this mean for you? How does it affect your view of God? How does it affect your view of yourself? How does that affect everything? This, this is, is the School, School of Humanity. Humanity. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity. This is episode 36. 36? What, what? I thought about saying that in a different language and then I realized that I didn't really know any other languages. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, welcome. This is Jason and Rachel Bullman and it's kind of cold right now in Florida. Yeah. A little chilly. It's a nice change. And by that I mean it's like 70. <laughs> Right. We got our coats out. Right. We're all we excited. Parkas, um, Fires going in the fireplace. Our, our youngest son came home today, and we were riding in the car, and he goes, Mom, so-and-so in class said it's supposed to snow today. Like, is it going to snow today? <laughs> 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 and they were ridiculously excited to wear their jackets this morning. So. Yes. I get excited about winter wear, too, so maybe they got that from their mama. But they uh, they were really excited to wear their jackets. I mean, we just really want to have seasons here in Florida, <laughs> right? Desperately. <laughs> and then what did they ask me the other day? They asked me, "Mom, when are we going to see the the trees turn orange, like the trees that have orange leaves?" And I was like, "When you don't live in Florida anymore, um, <laughs> when the trees are dying, <laughs> right? Like we really <laughs> only do brown off. or." green that's just really all we got we don't really have anything in between yeah so um but all that being said tonight we are gonna dive into a little bit of art and contemplation um but we're gonna view this from the standpoint of sight first and then i think dive into it again maybe with our next podcast um but What brought this up is that I'm reading this book. It's called Only the Lover Sings, which is such an awesome title. Yeah, that is pretty great. So good. Um, And in this book, it goes through various different essays on things. And one of them was about the, the need to see again. Right. And the author goes on to say, it's Joseph Pieper is the author. And he says, you know, we don't, you're not trying to see based on like, we're not talking sight like physicality. We're talking sight uh, like spiritual sight. And so ideally, you know, what we would want for our spiritual sight is for our eyes to always be open. And there's a lot of different things that that could mean. You know, either saying that your spiritual eyes are open could mean seeing Christ in everything. Um and it also means, you know, being open to the mystery of things when you don't understand why things are happening. Yeah. Um, I'm immediately drawn to, you know, um, i never forget uh, a good friend once told me, you know, to always be sure to treat, uh, teach your children how to always have wonder in other words, you know, when you go outside and you see the stars at night, is it just something that you 
let escape you, you know, or do you sit there and have real leisure and real and really contemplate the magnificence that is, you right. know, the stars that are in the sky, um, or even just simply watching, you know, um, a water drop fall fall off of a leaf, or you know, do you um, do that a lot? I mean, I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that that thought of the stars um, actually makes me think of a scene from The Lion King. And I don't know if you remember this scene, uh, but it's Timon and Pumbaa and Simba, and Simba is now an adult, and they're out in the whatever, um, and uh, I don't think it's the desert. What is it called? What was it? Where they were? Was Fari or uh, anyway? Neither here nor there. Uh, but they were laying out um, on the grass and looking up, and. Um, Timon says, uh, and they're looking at the stars, and Timon says, I wonder what those are. I think they're fireflies that just got stuck up there. Right. And Pumbaa says, really, I thought they were balls of gas. You know, he actually names what they are. You know, I thought those are balls of gas that are like thousands of miles away, and they're constantly burning. Um, and Timon, of course, makes a gas joke. Mm -hmm. You think everything is gas. And they said, Simba, what do you think it is? And then Simba says, you know, I think that that's all of the kings, you know, looking down on us. Right. And it almost shows their state um, of not only intelligence, but also contemplation. You know what I mean? Right. Like you've got Timon, who just thinks it might be bugs. <laughs> and then Pumbaa, who actually understands the science behind it and doesn't even know. And then you have Simba, who is obviously more mature in a lot of ways than they are. Right. Um, that that see something beyond both of those things. Yeah. The moment you start to lose the sense of wonder and everything is just mundane and uh, it's like, um, it's like um, everything loses its, Luster, right? It's luster, yeah. Right. I mean, it's life is boring, and um, and we were talking about this in uh, the School of Humanity the other night. Um, just concupiscence of the eyes, and and meaning um, not lust in the sense of like looking at pornography and stuff, but just this sort of overstimulation or over. Um, um, overt access to so much input through our eyes that we right. fa we fail to see anymore. Like right. our, our eyes aren't too open. much to see. Right. Yeah. The uh, um, I don't know if you've seen them, honey, but there's this video. Um, there's tons of them, but there's a most recent like compilation of videos of children and adults that have heard for the first time. Oh, yeah. I've and those are always just so... Moving. I mean, they're like yeah. soul-destroying, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. you can't watch them in, like, a waiting room. Because at least I couldn't, because I would, like, sob everywhere. Um, but they're just so beautiful. And they actually had one the other night that was not only children hearing for the first time, but it was also them seeing for the first time. Right. So it was like infants and toddlers who had very bad eyesight 
and the parents had gotten them specially made eye uh, glasses, you know, and they put the glasses on them and they would say the child's name, you know, let's say maybe the child's name is Abigail. And they'd be like, Abigail. And the baby would look at them and it was unbelievable. I mean, they were shocked that they could see something, but they were also completely overjoyed at seeing the face of their mother or father for the first time. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm starting to tear up. (laughs) And I mean, they were just so happy, you know? Um, And it always, I was watching that and of course crying. And I was thinking that you always want your, your children when, when they have these moments of elation like that, you want them to always feel that way. Like there was last year when I went to Gabriel school for the Thanksgiving thing, which you get to go to this year. Um, but I went to school for the Thanksgiving thing. They had dressed up as turkeys, like with uh, grocery bags. And um, when I walked up, they were coming out of their classroom and they were coming up the sidewalk. I still have the video. And they were coming up the sidewalk and Gabriel saw me. And you knew that he had seen me because his face was just so excited. And he, and not only that, not only was his face really, really excited, but he turned to his neighbor in line and he said, that's my mom. Like, that's my mom right there. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, God, he's always that excited to see me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would venture to say that that is the kind of sight that God wishes for us. Yeah. You know, that we would, um be just completely overjoyed when we see him yeah you even hear a lot of parents talk about like yeah those were the best years when the kids were like two three four um but then you know when they get you know six seven eight whatever nine whatever um somehow you know the something happens you know and part of that i suspect is that we don't promote that sense of wonder in children. Um, right. And it makes us sad to see them lose it. Right. You know, like, and we almost blame them or, or just chalk it up to as part of life that they're no longer as joyful and innocent and, and things like that. But it's because we've taught them. We've taught them not to be. Right that way anymore. Yeah, and when we see an adult who is especially free um, and we joyful and ridiculous. Yeah, or, I mean, but secretly, at least. We want to be. Yeah, we want to be like that. Um, that may be part of what it is to be a great speaker, even, you know, right. is to see someone who has um, you know, some kind of insight um, into things that you don't see um, anymore. Because you've stopped looking, you know. <laughs> um, you no longer contemplate um, anything. You don't take the time to slow down and perceive, you know. Right. Yeah, in this book he talks about the fact that he, uh, he, he was writing this essay, I guess, when he was on a cruise ship. And um, he basically said that when he would stand out at night and look at the wake... Like he could see the glowing creatures of the sea, which I would assume would be that like 
um, bioluminescent right. algae um, that we got to see on your kayak trip. Um, I think we talked about that on here, didn't we? I think so, yeah. Um, but he had told some people about it, and I guess like the next night he was at dinner and heard, overheard someone saying, um, someone saying, did you see the the things in the water, like the glowing things in the water? And he said, oh, they're not out there tonight. And Joseph Heber thought, no, they're there. Like you just didn't want to be in the darkness long enough to let your eyes adjust. Right. And, and that applies to this because we, just like you just said, we don't, we don't take the time to really slow down, you know, um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times a day my children want to show me something. You know, Mom, I need you to come here and show you something. <laughs> um, and and I would probably say maybe six times out of ten, sixty percent of the time, do I really stop and look? Right. Um, probably the other forty percent of the time, I I say, "Oh, that's nice," and I don't really look. Um, or I look and I don't, but I don't see. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, but there's so many things that they're trying to teach me. And gosh, do I miss it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I wish I could see. Yeah. Well, to draw out this point, uh, Joseph Pieper, he discusses the fact that... Um, in our culture, we're essentially, um, we've made an idol out of work. And right. so he talks about the fact that work is not some, is not a activity that is, uh, in and of itself, it, it it's meant for something else. It's only valuable. It's only, it's, be, it's justified by something else. Yeah. It's justified by something else. Meaning um, that like when people say, why do we work? Well, we work so we can play. Right. We work so that something. Right. Um, and essentially, you know, it's no mystery why we work. We work so that we can stay alive, so right. that we have things, we have food, we have that. But so, but even in that phrase, you work so that, you know, it's not like work it's in and of itself. It's not by itself. Like, it, it doesn't exist purely for itself. Right. So then that begs the question, you know, what activity do we do is in itself intrinsically um, for itself. And he makes the point that it is only um, those activities that draw us and, and give us a, a contemplative awareness of the world's ultimate and intrinsic foundations. Um, right. In other words, God, <laughs> you know, so the only activity that is in and of itself um, valuable for its own sake is this sense of wonder that we're trying to get at, that we're that we're driving at in this conversation. You know, this um, beholding the magnificence of a God who created all things and who loves you and. Right. seeks you and who you were made in his image and likeness to know and to love and to behold. Um, he even makes the point that even before Plato, um, there was a Greek philosopher who posed the question of why are we here on this earth? And he 
um, quickly responded with um, to observe or to contemplate, mm. um, which is very uh, profound <laughs> um, to think about um, so as it true. applies to what we're talking about. Because he we was, don't even know how to do that on. anymore. Yeah, I know, because we define, because we're so uh, work-a-day world in yeah, this country. Yeah, we're so wrapped up in, in um, action and, right. and doing. Yeah, I mean, even the, the question we ask our kids is, what do you want to be when you grow up? As if <laughs> what you are is what you do. Right. You know, well, I want to be Ooh, a so doctor. Good. I didn't even you think know. about that. Yeah, I mean, it, we are a... Um, utilitarian society and we have to escape this i mean it's absolute it's absolutely against our nature to operate in this mode right um and then when we become you know what we think will make us happy a doctor for example or whatever you know even if you achieve like a high level of what would be considered you know part of the american dream you know to be a doctor or attorney or you know, whatever, and you realize, like, oh my God, this doesn't fulfill my heart, right? You know, then, then you're sad, <laughs> and so and you true. and unless you have been raised with the truth, with faith, you know, with Christ, you're hopeless. Um, so, what this book is beautiful because it doesn't use specifically Catholic or Christian. It's a purely philosophical book to help people to realize that man was not meant for work, you know. Um, that leisure is our proper mode, and it's only actually in leisure that we can worship God, because leisure is this understanding of our ultimate purpose, of who we are ultimately, why we were created. Right. Um, and and he contrasts that to um, loafing, I think, is the term that he uses, which is different, um, right? Um, <laughs> much different You're than vegging out. Yeah, um, it's kind of this mindless, pointless. Um, which is usually what we do, like when we're like s- scrolling through Facebook or right, right. You know, binge watching Netflix shows. What do you? No, th- we've never done either one of those things. What do you think that does to your, to your ability to see? As we've been talking. Oh my you gosh! Know? Because you just you 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 become inundated with uh, with information. Just like what he says. He says you know you can come up with a ton of excuses like why we don't see. Is it because we're in a hurry? Is it because there's too much to do? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? And then he goes on to say that the real reason is because that he feels is that we, there's too much to see. Right. Um, and inevitably we, we almost become numb to it, you know, um, like if you walk around with a nagging pain long enough, it doesn't become, it doesn't go away. Um, it, you just become used to it. Right. You know, um, like for instance, Gabriel has, you know, he has some limitations with his left arm and it's not like. Uh, that has gone away. He just has learned how to live with that right. and how to acclimate to that. And that's what we've kind of gotten used to. And I mean, the truth of the matter is that if we were to turn the light off in this room, it would be jarring at first. 
but eventually your eyes would adjust and you would get through life just fine. Right. I mean, you could live in the dark. And that's what a lot of us have succumbed to. Like we've succumbed to just living in the dark, you know? Yeah. Um, but Christ offers, Christ is the light of the world. You know, he, he's offering us light. And the thing is, is that, and what is really beautiful is that if you encounter him and if you meet him, uh, if you al- allow the light to come in, then you will never see anything the same again. Right. You know, you won't be able to live in darkness. And darkness will be become something that you're able to recognize. Like, it's not just, a, it doesn't become just a way of life. Like, if, if the light begins to dim, you realize that you can't see anymore, you know? Um, and there's nothing better than having the clarity of the light of Christ. But, what I was going to say was that, you know, one of the best videos, and I think we've even talked about it on here before, um, but it always makes me cry. I mean, I could pull it up right now and I'd cry. Um, but it's the video where the their, the grandfather or the dad, maybe in this family, has never, he's always been colorblind. Right, and right. And they, they got him special glasses that somehow invert the cones of his of his eyes so that he's able to see light or not light, but able to see the colors. Right. Um, if you want to get real, real down and dirty, it is light, you know, that he's viewing, but, um, he's just so shocked, you know, by what he sees. And I remember the most beautiful part of it was hearing his family, you know, look at this, look at that. Cause they had brought all of these different things to show him. Right. Because they were, they had been very just mundane things before, you know. And I remember one of the things that they, they had brought a bunch of different colored balloons and they go, hey, look at our balloons. And he just started crying and he said, um, everything is just so bright. Right. And, um, and I mean, that is, that is how, I mean, that is how the Lord would desire us to look all the time is that we look around, even when things are super difficult and hard, you know, because they're still suffering, but that we would look around and go, wow, everything is just so bright. You know, and there are going to be times when other people see things more clearly than you do. And what would be really beautiful is if those people would point out the vivid balloons for you, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what we provide for one another. Um that we can, li- and we did, we were actually doing that tonight, you know. Right. Um, Jason's work has just been extremely busy. So we were talking tonight about how hard this last couple of weeks have been. And, and Jason was showing me the balloons, you know. You know, this, this might be hard, honey, but look at how beautiful and bright these balloons are. Right. Um, and the more that you become, the more that you contemplate Christ and, and you become like him, and you put on the mind of Christ and things, the more beautiful everything becomes, the more your eyes are open, right? The more bright and, and uh, colorful things are. And, right. Um, you can, you can um, like, like Thomas Merton said, there's seeds of contemplation everywhere, always, right. which I love that image. Like every moment there are these little seeds of contemplation you can think of contemplation as actually seeing reality as it as it is through god's eyes you know um whether it's something that's 
more tragic or sad or whether it's something that's, um, you know, just overtly beautiful. Um, you can see um, Christ, you can see God in all things. Um, and they can send you into this place where, uh, of profound, like, solitude, but a solitude that is truly communal because um, you're closer to God um, in the sort of um, I-thou relationship that you have with God that only you have with Him um, and that He has with you. But the more that you love God, the more that you're able to love everyone else around you. So you start to love right. them uh, for His sake um, and for their sake. Um and not selfishly anymore. Um, so uh, I just pray that we we become more and more that way. Right. But and that we, we continue to wear the lens that, that Christ has provided us with. You know, um, one thing that was really, really beautiful this past, uh, I, I might have already mentioned this, but you know, we were we were asked to write down five things that describe us. Like if someone were to ask, you know, Jason, tell me about yourself, that you would say, I am, and you would list these five things. Mm-hmm. And we both put for our number one thing, you know, we are loved or we are beloved. Yeah. Um, and that is what, that's the lens that everything should, everything should be shaped by. That's the light that should shine on everything that we see and everything that we do. Yeah. And there will definitely be moments when we don't allow that light to come in. And, you know, you just, A, have to be sharp enough to know when the light has changed, when there's something blocking the light. And also surround yourself with people that reflect that light. Yeah. You know, because it's very easy to to somehow get in a shaded area or put up, you know, some sort of block that that eliminates that light from your life. But if you are surrounded by people that reflect the image of Christ and therefore reflect the light of Christ, then it can illuminate everything that, that you're trying to see. You know, one thing as you're speaking that um, I think is profoundly beautiful um, about our about the Catholic Church um, is is just the stark um, example of consecrated religious people because um, they are just a living example of man's higher calling to contemplate God because right. you know to the worldly person who defines your belovedness and who you are by work they are nonsensical right because right. if you if you say that someone is only valuable, and there are Catholics that criticize religious, like, I mean, what do they do that's helping anybody? You know, shouldn't they be out, like, feeding the poor? I mean, why are they all cloistered in a place where they don't do anything for anybody else? I mean, how is that helpful? Do you know what I mean? Right. But do you see that? Do you, do you, um, do you see how false that is? I mean... If we really are, like you said, if if the key to seeing reality as it really is is knowing your belovedness, like you just said, then that means that... Uh, they see more clearly than the rest of us. Right. I mean, they, they rest in that 
truth and they live that truth that you know that man's ultimate calling is to contemplate god and to pray to um for or with you know um to contemplate his face and pray for other people right. and and um i forget jp2 made some really great statements about how in particular their vocation upholds the entire church um mm. Because they are actually, you know, living like a heavenly reality here on earth. And, um, so beautiful. Yeah. They, they build up the body of Christ in a way that you can never do through action, through virtue. Um, right. So, you know, really quick, I know we're inching closer to that, to the, at the end of this podcast, but the other day I was pr- praying, um, and, you know, I know I shared in a couple of podcasts ago how my mom had passed away. And, you know, I didn't I didn't share a whole lot about her, but my mom had suffered a great deal, you know, in her life. Um, various things. But one of those things, the last things that she had suffered the most, you know, was her health. And I remember, you know, a, a lot over the last couple of years just wanting her so badly to see, you know. Yeah. Um. To see how much she was loved, not not just by us, you know, but to see how much she was loved by God. And so there was a couple of nights ago, I don't think I've even told you this, but I was praying um, because I miss her so much. You know, I think about her all the time. And uh, and so I was praying for her and, and thinking about her. And it dawned on me that because, you know, I've always talked about what, what heaven is, you know. And that it's not a place, but it's it's the state of, of the love of God, you know, of being one with the love of God. And and I just imagined her uh, finally seeing. You right, know. right. Um, and it wasn't even uh, her seeing God as much as I think her being seen by God, you know. Because really, that's that's really all that we desire, and that's and that's what I believe. You know, she always desired here, oh yeah, on Earth. You know, was to be seen. Oh yeah, and that's what we desire for one another. I mean, you know, our children ask to show us things because they want to be seen, and so, um, and it was just so beautiful. And I remember saying to her, you know, as I was praying, um, you know, mom. I know that you finally see because you've been seen. And I mean, I think it's the same thing. It, it applies to love. You know, we, we finally love because we've been, you know, we, we were loved first. Yeah. And so. Uh, That's key to sight. Is right. to realize that you've, you've been seen. <laughs> <laughs> so From may all we, eternity. May we continue to open our eyes broader and to see clearer. Have wonder. And wonder. God bless you.